Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week, I'm joined once again by Dan and Adrian, and we talk about a topic that has been mentioned a couple times on the podcast, but we've never really dove in, and that is stress management or stress relief for your teams. How do you relieve the stress for your teams? Well, Dan and Adrian both have very interesting takes on this idea of needing to relieve the stress of our teams and actually contest that stress is a good thing for what we say we want. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Without further delay, let's dive in. Dan, Adrian, welcome back. Thanks for being here. It's good to be with you. It is awesome to be here. Good to be back. We want to keep that up. We've been, we've been, we've been on a roll. We've yes. Been, this team has been in multiple planes, multiple airports, lots of lots of time zones. It's been a blast. Yes, it has. We got a chance to celebrate Adrian a little bit this past weekend in Alaska. Yes. Bachelor party. That was a good time. Oh my gosh. Watching Adrian run with the deer was the best. That was better than being in any wilderness setting, watching that animal run. <laughs> Interesting, Dan, because I think watching you run with the deer was probably one of my highlights. You hobble. I hobble with the deer. Adrian runs with them. You did a damn good job running with the deer. Yeah. Adrian, uh, what was your favorite part? Oh. Or a highlight doesn't have to be your favorite. Yeah. Well, highlight for sure. I mean, just the majesty of it was yeah. a highlight for me. You know, first day, snowmobiles. I've never been in an environment like that before. It's perfect that it was snowing. You know, it was fun to be on a snowmobile. I was with my best friends in the world um, doing something that's like so unique and so distinct. And I was just like, you know, the, the thought, the thought that hit me in the moment, which I've told you guys about, but it's like the, it's like, look what my life has come to like, look how real this is. Like, and this isn't an accident either. Like the fact that I'm here in this environment with these guys and it's like, wow, like just the gratitude that flowed through me, like, holy shit, this is real. You know, yeah. that, that was yeah. probably my, and that was like day one. You know, I kind of said, I think we all, it's funny when you, we were accounting for that, right? We were eating lunch at the glacier and we're all like, yeah. we're all talking in our helmets on the way out there. Like, wow, look at this wow. frozen lake. Beautiful. This is crazy. This yeah. is so far out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was definitely, that was definitely, and even just, you know, kind of the joke earlier about Dan, but the, that was one of my highlights too, Dan, the fact that you were going to sit and watch, and then you yep. weren't going to, you were only going to do it for, you know, a, a block or two. And then the fact that you ran all the way through, um, you know, and, you know, the example that you are for my life, you know, that was one of those like beautiful moments of like, you know, you're going to keep going, keep throwing yourself at it, you know, yep. and, and uh, participate. I, I couldn't miss it. It's the biggest thing is I keep trying to talk myself out of it because I <laughs> want to do it and I want to do it like I really want to do it. And that's, yeah. and then I thought we started running. I'm like, fuck it. I'm, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Hell, I'm going to do it. Go. Like, go. But what's watching yeah. you guys, I mean, 
watch I, we were everybody was so into it i think that's contagious i mean yeah. tyler yeah working with tyler and you and you guys are like we're all like okay now we're rolling up our sleeves okay what are we gonna do today oh we're doing that okay all right when i even when i slipped and fell on that ice i was like okay there we go again let's get back up <laughs> and i'm holding, you're holding my arm getting me through. <laughs> yeah so right. fun. you're being an example for me of how i want to be a papa that's for yeah. sure a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's dive in this conversation. I, I was, um, Dan, you've brought it up a couple of times in past episodes that and it, my ears perked up when you brought it up and we never really did much depth on it in any of those conversations. So I wanted to make sure we had a moment, uh, some time to actually dive into some of the nuances. I know you don't typically just say things without them being well thought through. So I know there's some nuance in there. Um, but you've brought up a couple of times the responsibility of leadership to take away the stress of their people in an organization. It's, it's, um, would you say it's kind of a fad right now, or, or maybe it's, you know, something that there's this idea that, you know, your job as a leadership team, uh, whether it's an executive team or management team, is, is to take away the stress of the people so that they enjoy coming to work or whatever the idea is behind taking away the stress. And you've said multiple times that that's not the case, that stress is useful uh, or can be useful. Um, and, and then, and so I wanted to, I wanted to have a conversation about it. I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who uh, operate under the guise of this idea of like taking away the stress for people. Could you, um, Dan, I'd love to start with you. Just kind of talk about what you've been thinking about this idea or what maybe, maybe we start with what you've seen in conversation about around this topic for leaders. Yeah, it, it's my, it's just my experience. Uh, and I've heard it come up a number of times with the clients that I serve, particularly the um, millennial and, and X generation leaders there's this like, oh no, stress is a bad thing. And there's a lot of research on this. So I'm not talking out of my hat, but there's a, there's a great book out uh, called uh, leadership paradox, leadership paradoxes. And um, it's, it's a, it's like four or five of the top researchers, leadership researchers, you know, in the world it, they talk about different paradoxes that they've they've researched. It's like it's a series of articles, the book itself. And one of the, in one of the articles, it talks about the the stress paradox and how management has been leadership has been moving leadership training has been moving towards trying to eliminate stress rather than it's like why that doesn't work is because stress is a result of tension that arises within the workplace. Tensions, uh, like we've talked about paradoxical, paradoxes like when to be frank and when to be diplomatic or, you know, when to persevere or when to experiment. You know, those are tensions that if you get into the practice of trying to resolve them, you're going to get distracted from what you're there to get done. 
because there you can't, it's like trying to get rid of gravity. If you and I were building a building and we got, we thought, well, if we could just get rid of gravity, it'd be a lot easier to build this building. Well, now we're in the get rid, getting rid of gravity business instead of building the building. And we're actually, you know, embarking upon something that is impossible, literally. Mm. And, and so that's the, that's the, the metaphor I would use for the idea of wanting to get rid of stress because stress is paradoxical. The stress paradox is that human beings need stress to become the best they can be. And stress can be bad for you. So what's good for you, what's bad for you is good for you. That's the paradox. Mm -hmm. At what point is it bad for you? And there's, it's, and that, that gives you an idea of the paradox, but it's even more complex because a lot of stress, most of the stress that I experience and what I do, and I've been involved in pretty stressful situations, is directly related to what goes on between my ears or how I relate to the situation that has, that where usually stress is a result is I recognize what's at stake in this situation and then um, I either want to get rid of, get away from the stress of the situation, or I I want to deal with the situation in a way that makes a difference. Very different approaches. And, and so this weekend we were involved uh, over the week this last week with a client, Adrian and I. And one of the things we noticed, we so we do our culture maps and we use the you know the Harrison which measures what people prefer to do. And then, and, then, and, and then we get a good sense of these paradoxes and how they live in them. And one of the paradoxes, as we've gone over in past episodes, is the paradox of being permissive. You know, it's the, it's the driving paradox, you know, how people coach people are the coaching paradox. So the, the, the y-axis, the vertical axis is enforcing and the x-axis is is uh, um, empathy right and so creating empathy or affinity with people and if you're high on empathy and you're low on enforcing you're permissive and if you're high on enforcing and low on empathy you're harsh if you're balanced well then you're you're uh, compassionately enforcing and people can get much better than that now what people don't realize is that at the heart of, of stress, so if you're dealing with motivated people, which is another paradox, we have high motivation, low management of stress. You've got people who have stressed achievement. Well, they're related because if I don't, if I'm really permissive, things are going to go, they're going to go wrong for a long time before I try to correct them. And when I try to correct them, they're going to be so far down the line that it becomes very complex and difficult to resolve. That, that produces more stress. So what I tend to do is I'm permissive because I don't want the immediate the potential stress in the moment of being misinterpreted as micromanaging or, or not understanding or whatever. I haven't developed the relationship. I don't want to deal with it. So I keep putting it off which compounds the stress in the long term. So I'm trading short-term gain for long-term pain. Mm. And what that inevitably does is it causes 
on, on a team, it causes the team to fall behind because it, it, it becomes a culture. So people aren't delivering on time. So there, it, we, a lot of last minute, you know, um, I would say below quality work and that causes more work. And what that does, the team gets stressful. They pull back. It affects creativity and, and you've got a very toxic environment. And, and so that's what I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to my madness. <laughs> I think we, I mean, I, we just went to school. That was fantastic. Yeah. There was so much there. Adrian, what to add? Well, this is, you know, um, Dan, I appreciate you, you giving all that because, you know, you're illuminating the invisible, which is like what's people's experience. Because stress is an experience. Stress isn't like a noun. It's not like a thing. It's actually an experience. And how people relate to the experience will, will, uh, will produce its own type of result. But the result comes out of their experience and they're relating, not because of stress. Because I was, you know, sitting here thinking that what most people do. So stress only comes because of challenge. You know, stress comes because of challenge. So now what most people do is, especially in this kind of pandery culture that we've got, and pandering is, is just a reaction, is a reaction to what they think they ought to do to keep people around. And most of the time, the kind of lightening of stress is to help the lower performers cope because high performers love stress. This is what we found. Like, you know, our work, it's always, it's interesting. Almost everybody I coach is an ex-athlete. Almost everybody. It's not on the form. It's not like a box. They got to check. It just happens to be, they were highly competitive in something athlete could be broadly, you know, not just sports athlete, but some kind of competitive person and a competitive person likes a challenge. Mm-hmm. They sign up for it. You know, deciding to want to win something is signing up for challenge. So, you know, you, if, if we're really clear as a business owner, it's like, hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hiring you. I'm hiring you to join us in this challenge. Um, and that's saying, hey, I'm hiring you to join us in the stress. That is what's here. So if you, if you, what a lot of people do will lower the challenge in order to, quote unquote, help the people instead of, realizing that not everybody is worth helping. Meaning if I, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of high performers leave when the vision gets lowered, which is what most people do. They start to lower the bar. They don't enforce to Dan's point or they lower the bar. They kind of reset the metrics, if you will. So it doesn't look so bad instead of like letting, letting reality be as it is like, okay, we didn't hit the metrics and let's talk about that. Most yeah. people, most people come in with some kind of story about why it's so in order to kind of let the stress go instead of sit with the sit with it because it's not stress when it's just reality. We can actually look at it and not be stressed about it. Well, then there's some natural tension of longing yeah. for something in the future that isn't there and right being in the moment like, oh, wow, I'm a distance away from there. I thought I was closer. Yeah. And then to Adrian's point, the compromise of the vision happens when you go, okay, we didn't make it, but we did get this far. This was, and this was better than yesterday, even though it isn't what we said we wanted. So it's like a making it okay, rather than yeah. being with it, not being okay. 
Yeah. Like yeah. not being okay, meaning not from an evaluation point, it disturbs me. It, it pesters me. And, and I, I'm trying to get rid of that tension, that pestering. And that's what undermines that causes more stress because inevitably you wake up to the fact that you're not going to be able to make the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and that's even more stress. Yeah. Well, the thing that keeps coming up for me and your guys' answers and, and through some of this stuff is that can you actually even take away stress? Right. Dan, you talk about like short-term gain, long-term pain. You're not, you're relieving the stress for a moment, but it's coming back. It's coming back right? it's because there's a challenge. There's something that wants to be done in the universe. You've engaged in it. And then, you know, you're both talking about like, did we hit the mark? No, we didn't because we tried to remove the stress and that in, a, in itself is stressful. Exactly. The, you know, it is, I think it's part of what undermines civilization, just to be honest with you, the larger. It, the, we, when we try to let, we try to get rid of the stress of existence, we get, we're, it's like men die at 27, we bury them at 72. In order to get rid of stress, I've got to somehow deaden my experience of life. Yeah. It occurred to Adrian and I during this, this work with these clients that there's a, there's a paradox here. And the paradox, we, we, the tension, whenever there's a tension, there's some sort of paradox. And what one of the paradoxes we noticed was one that we hadn't seen before. I hadn't seen it. And I put it up as there's a vision, then put vision on the Y or vertical axis. And on the horizontal axis is reality. Mm. Right? And so what tends to happen is people, if you're high on vision and you're low on reality, you live in fantasy. And you do what Adrian was talking about. We were talking about, you start to justify the lack of results, the lack of reality that matches up with the vision. And you try to make it okay and get people to be okay with it. You try to, instead of utilizing the tension to drive people into, you know, like the, to let it compel people into what the next action, what's wanted and needed. And, and so rather than look at what's wanted and needed, we're looking at why it's okay that it is or isn't, the way, that it is the way that it is and why we couldn't do anything about it. So the minute we get into that, we know we're going to have more of the same. Now, if you're long on, you're long on reality and, sh and short on vision, well, that's just despair because you, no, I, I, you have nothing to aim at. And, and so you, it's like, oh, I got to live with it like this. Right. So, so despair comes and, and there's really two forms of despair here. If I, in thinking about it, there's the despair of necessity, which is I need this to stay alive. So I engage reality enough to get what I need, but it's, it's despair because I have no sense of possibility, no sense of hope. Possibility brings hope or the sense of possibility is, is what people would call hope. There's something that could be greater than what we have if we engage this well. Now, if I'm high on vision or hope 
and low on reality. That's the kind of hope that brings despair too. That's called the despair of possibility where my head's in the clouds, but I don't have my feet in reality. So I don't know what to engage to get to where I'm going. Yeah. And these two despairs, we, we bounce between, right? And that takes sobriety, the willingness to, to be willing to say, this is what I long for. And here's where I'm at. The, here's the circumstances, my, my mindset, my team's mindset, what's wanted and needed now to lift this reality to that level. That's a, that's a real challenge. That's leadership. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. This is, this reminds me of um, one of the graphs that you draw out, Dan, or, or that both of you draw have drawn out in um, our public trainings, the revenant um, where you have, if I can paint this picture a little bit, but like you have current reality at the bottom of the paper Yep. And you have an arrow going up to the top, which is uh, vision, right? Am yeah. I correct? Yeah. So it's vision at the top, a future worth having, right? And there's this gap between current reality, what we say we want. And then you ask the question, what gets us from here to there? What gets us from current reality where we are to the vision that we want or that we say we want? And there's two words that go in there. One is tension which is yeah. one that you have, we've already talked a lot about. And on the other side is transformation. Yeah. Right. And so it's just interesting me, interesting to me in this conversation that even it, let's say stress and tension are synonymous. Um, I think we've kind of made that point in this conversation. Yeah. 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 So when we work to take the tension away for people, we deprive them of the opportunity for transformation to like actually go where they want to go in life. Yeah. Cause the other chart we have up, it says have a vision big enough to carry you through the pain of transformation. Yes. To call you through it. Right. And, and, that, and that's what happens. People tend to, like I said, get distracted with relieving the tension. And that's the problem. Yeah. Like I, that's the psychological conversation. I want to be okay with what's going on versus I well, it's even acting. Let me, yeah. Let me add here too, because I mean, maybe, maybe it's, you know, I think there is the distraction of relieving the tension, but it's also can be much more covert um, where actually I think it's my job and I think I'm doing people a favor for relieving yeah. it, which we, which we call caretaking. I call, um, now I call it the useful idiot. <laughs> that's, that's when I'm a useful idiot. Yeah, well, and, and usually why it's covert is, is a leader that spends time making people's jobs easier and saving them. And not that we shouldn't be aimed towards efficiency and effectiveness. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about take, giving, save, like saving people from the opportunity to learn how to navigate tension in a productive way. When we don't, yes. when we take that away from people, then actually it, it is one of the covert payoffs of that is superiority. And like, because, oh, they can't handle it. You know, his <laughs> yeah. plates too, his plates too full. We like to say that he's got low bandwidth. We like to say things like that, which might come off empathetic, but empathetic to whom, what, to which version of the person, you know, you might be saying like the, the, the type of, you know, when Barry started working for us, he couldn't handle it, but I think he can. So if I'm saving them from the tension, which Barry am I helping? Am I helping the old one? And of course I am. Am I helping the new one, the one that's possible, the transformed one? No, I'm not. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm saving him. I'm, I'm actually stealing from him, taking from him the opportunity to evolve, to transform. And, you know, that's part of, and then, and then here's the, the trick is that I'll judge the shit out of Barry later because he doesn't show up in a time of crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And so I set up, I set up the For system. His weakness. That's right. I set up the system. About how come everything lands on my lap? Yes. I'm that's right. That's right. And so yeah. that's, that's a little bit of the covert side of this thing is like, you know, saving people from stress, you know, is, is publicly acceptable and actually praised. And the people on your team might actually be asking you for that. Um, and you might get kudos for that, but that, that's a, that's a short-term gain, long-term pain, instead of actually being honest on the upfront, which is like, Hey, to be here, I am committed to supporting you and supporting you looks like challenge a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm going to question how you think about the, the, how you think about the work at hand. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I'm thinking Dan, as we're talking through this paradigm, like that's like the, if you, cause if you, if you're really committed to the vision and if you're really committed to fully embracing current reality and by fully embracing current reality, we mean, you know, beyond just the data points, beyond just what's the data of the moment and who's where and what's happening, but it's also getting connected to the conversations that are at play that are here that you can hear. And also, you know, like, like, for example, like when you, when you catch wind of somebody not being a, like not being happy about something and they don't bring it to you, well, that's one you can hear. It's also embracing current reality is mining for what needs to be said, which is way beyond usually what is said. Like that, that would be the big example from us this week with this, with this company. It's like, there's lots of conversations that needed to get on the table that weren't going to get on the table unless we, you know, we, you know, we gave up, we were going to do this exercise with them and we stopped and you said, Hey, we should go deeper. And I said, yeah, let's go. So we gave up that because we knew their conversation. So if you, if, if you are really committed to vision and really committed to being connected to or listening for all the conversations that are both explicit and implicit. Now, if you do both of those, that puts you in that top right quadrant, which I, I wrote down just the power of possibility because there's two words there. One is what's possible and if there's nothing in reality that I'm avoiding, I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. Anything that I'm avoiding in reality, I all of a sudden take away my own capacity because I've decided that that isn't worth it. There's no, there's no possibility there. I can't handle it. They can't handle it. Reason, excuse, reason, excuse, reason, excuse. And all of a sudden I give up my own power. So if, if, if you're able to willing, really willing to practice, you know, being, ri- being rigorously connected to current reality and, and, being honestly connected to the vision, like how committed are we to the vision, which is what we spent a lot of time talking about with the client this weekend. Like, what is the real vision here? What is the real, like what's, you know, we've got this heritage vision and it seems to be very disconnected from the vision that's happening right now on the field. So what's, who are we now? Who are we now? Who are we now? What do we really want? Not like, what do we think is the spinnable thing that sounds good to the public, but who are we really? Yeah. So that's the, there's tension and huge possibility whenever people are willing to buddy up to both what they really want and what they really have. And it it sounds like what you're talking about sounds like being able to marry the, the vision with current reality. Like here's what's why, why it's worth engaging this current reality. It's like creating a narrative 
that, that people begin to consider the value of risking or engaging what they're afraid to lose. And, and, um, and in the way that they're, they'll marshal themselves in the moment. And what, I, what you made me think about was that scene in Braveheart where, where Mel Gibson's on the horse and he's, you know, talking to them about the, the battle. And he says, sure, you, you can run away, right? But it, just think about this, you know, how, what kind of freedom is that going to be, right? And he not only illuminated, he illuminated the value of it in the moment by pointing out what they would have if they settled. And that, and that, and that, what 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 the alternative alternative was, and the way the way he does it. I mean, you're sitting there watching it. You want to go to? You're, you're ready to go, right? And then it calls them forward because they get a sense of what that this tension is worth it, not only for them but for their children and for the future. And and that's very different than getting paid to go into war, right? But right. you know, I, 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 when you were talking, I was thinking about him riding around on that horse. And talking about, he made a joke about himself, and then he, you know, then he he engages them in such a way that you're engaged with them, and you're yeah. considering that that you know what's at stake. Yeah, I, I don't think we do that often enough. Rather, you know, it's we. In fact, we want to. What I watched this weekend was the the leaders wanting to stay away from the obvious tension rather than going yes. This ought to be like this. We ought to have this tension. Now, what do we want to do with it? And what, what's yeah. possible if we answer this tension? Yeah. There's this, um, I, I've, what I'm hearing in a lot of this, and maybe, you know, we wrap discussing this, but um, there's this idea that I'm coming up with is like, it's been so sexy to talk about relieving stress for your people, relieving, relieving them, relieving them. And why you know, the, the other option is to talk and help and serve your people. If you want to serve your people in the place of stress and on the subject of stress, why aren't we talking about stress management? How do we manage this in a healthy way? I mean, you're always managing it. I get that. But like, how do we manage it in a healthy way that we can both be willing to take on the stress in the, in the, for the purpose of the vision, right? Actually the stress looks like the, the way it looks like the tool bring it on let's go yeah well yeah. i think about that i think about that where yeah there there was actually i don't get too specific about the conversation this week but you know there was uh two two big personalities in the room that had very different views on something and they're, 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 they came to loggerheads and they decided to split up a meeting because of these two personalities. <laughs> and I was, I was wishing I was there whenever that was happening um, because it's, there was stress happening in that meeting, right? And you can all imagine there's two, two big personalities arguing over a point and they just kept arguing and that like became the focus. And what was possible in that moment that didn't, so what, what wasn't possible is a way for two people to have very strong opinions and we could be on the same side of the table. We can fight for what's possible. We could fight for what's true. We could fight for what's real. Instead, you know, normally get two really strong personalities together that seem to be opposing forces and it becomes a problem. So, you know, just to your point, like how the aim of, the, the aim of the stress or the aim of the, 
how do I say it? Like these, these two opposing forces, their aim was who was right. And that became a problem instead of each other. Yeah. Fighting each other and that, the aim of it, instead of like, how do we get on the same, like even just to stop, because how do we manage stress? Well, what's the point of it? Like, what's the, a lot of times and for us, when we'll hear somebody in a room or in a coaching call or in a training and somebody's just talking, right. They're just kind of quote unquote being themselves. We'll stop them and say, hold on. What's the purpose of your communication? And what's almost always true is they don't know. They hadn't considered what the aim of my communication was. Um, and a lot of times it's just story or it might be to prove a point. And, and in, instead of being involved in order to learn something or saying something to provoke a more meaningful conversation or saying something that could have a very strong opinion. And, would, and, and the point of my strong opinion is to bring somebody else to the table because I want their opinion. Like there's lots of, you can have strong opinions that actually serve something bigger than me just being right. And, you know, that's a way to manage my own stress is get connected to what's the purpose of my own communication. And another way to manage stress is, you know, you can think about it with, uh, if you're a boss and you've got like a delinquent employee or whatever, some, you know, do I pausing for a second, do I care about this person? Do I want a future with this person? And sometimes that answer is no. And if so, great, get honest with yourself and have that type of conversation about why this probably isn't going to work and why, you know, what's happening is revelatory about why it's not working. But if your answer is yes, I do care about this person and I want a future with this person, then I'm going to actually show up without stress. Like I, there might, there's might be strain in the relationship. There might be tension in the conversation. Um, but the point of it is to bring us closer. The point of it is to generate health and connection instead of settling for avoiding or settling for just silent judgment or settling for just how bad's it got to get before I fire him. That's what usually people do is how much rope do I give him to hang himself instead of saying, hold on a second, let me intervene now before it gets too bad so that we can get connected before it has to be corrective. Mm -hmm. And so when, one way to manage stress is to get to conversations a lot sooner you yep. know, then, yeah. then you'd prefer to do, Yeah. you know, but it, if point. you, if I, if I get myself out of the way, a big point is if I get myself and my own ego and my own, my own intentions, my own agendas, my own kind of, you know, I, I think about this all the time around boundaries, conversations around standards, even we just call them standards. Like it's, it's, it's stressful to set up standards. It's even more stressful to hold them. Because it's going to be, if I set up a standard, all of a sudden there's a lot of correction that's going to be needed because that's yeah. probably the purpose of me setting up a standard. And we usually haven't set up the system. I was just talking to a client about it today. She's got a brand new team. She was a chief brand officer of a rapidly growing company. And now is a CMO of a rapid, you know, both, both roles. And she's hiring a whole bunch of people. And, and we spent the time talking about what the next level of leadership needs to look like for her. And she said, well, how do I, you know, how do I manage these next, you know, few months where I'm going to be bringing new people on like every couple of weeks? I said, well, this is perfect. You get to get clear. We spend the rest of the time getting clear about what she was committed to, some core values for her, some kind of grounding points for her. And they were like vision and stability and, and um, oh, creating a learning culture and all this type of stuff. And then with, as people come in, you get to let them know exactly what to expect from you. And if, and if I have that grounding conversation about what to expect from me as a leader, then there's really no surprises down the road. Like if it's a, Hey, we're a learning culture, which means we're going to fail. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to you know, throw ourselves at what's possible. And we're going to fail a whole bunch. 
And so, and I'm going to learn things and you're going to learn things. So we're going to have a lot of like corrective conversations that might seem like conflict, but it's not for me because I want the best for you. So when I come to you in a few months, whenever you, you know, you crash and burn for the first time, I'm going to come to you for you, but we're going to talk about what's not working in order for us to get back up and go again. And she was like, so relieved by that because people don't have the grounding conversation on the front end. So the unhad conversations early lead towards stress later. The more conversations kind of frameworking you do on the front end, you can help people expect, you know, what to expect moving forward. You know, and you're always going to come up against their human machinery of looking good and feeling good and being right and being in control. That's always going to be there. But they, you, there's an overarching what's most important, which is us getting this thing done and us doing this thing together and building a, a resilient team and all those types of things. Right on. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Uh, anything to wrap this up with, Dan? No, I, I think, you know, I, the biggest thing is being aware of. In a way, what I take away from this in this conversation is continually being aware of what I'm making up about what I'm up to and what I what my vision is calling me to do. Right. Like I'm just thinking about some things in our own company that I, I know I want to continue to keep pressing into because we're growing. And one of them is to have more people at the table that are decision makers and how to have that happen so that it isn't bogging things down, but it actually is accelerating. How do you have a few more people because we're taking more people on? So this prompted me to think, how am I relating to the stress I'm feeling in that? Like, mm. what, what is, what, to, how am I relating to the situation that's producing stress rather than this stress is exactly what we need? It started to come into focus for me. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, that's great. Because it's our next level, right? So. Great conversation, gentlemen. Thank I knew this would be a, a rich one. Thank you so Thank much you. for bringing it. Thanks, Adrian. That was really clear what you said at the end there. Appreciate yep. that. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Let's go, right. let's, go, let's go make some stress together, shall we? Yeah. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I don't think I'm so stressed to, out. We don't have to work it too hard. We just keep aiming. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just keep a vision and it'll be there. <laughs> it'll be there. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Love you both. All right, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Love you. My friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.